Golden Deer Productions. Golden Oh, oh, wait, was that not it? Hey, enter, just, you forgot to enter. So my first first commercial was a Lucky Charms commercial. No way. It's on YouTube. Like, the commercial is on YouTube, so if you, and it was uh, basically if you sent in enough, like, you know, box tops or whatever, you'd get. Oh, uh, box tops. You remember box tops? Yeah, you'd get box tops and you'd you'd get, like, different Tiger electronics, like Brain Warp or, like, a Gigapet or something. Oh, dope. You know, so, like, that was. So what were you doing in the commercial? I was dancing around like an idiot in a, uh, in a white infinity wall. At least they at least they didn't play with the Irish stereotype. Yeah, right? Call you a little lucky. Yeah, no, not <laughs> at all, fortunately. I am Liam Stryker, and this is my golden hour. Water. Earth. Fire. Air. Long ago, the four dear nations lived together in harmony. Then, everything changed when the fire deer attacked. Only Derek, master of all four elements, could stop those boys. But when Boston needed him most, he vanished into the enchanted golden deer forest. Season four! What does that clap signify? Oh, are we doing a slate? No. Okay. But the clap does signify, I use the clap, and you're also the production wizard. Yeah. The clap signifies the ability to sync the audio yeah, and the slate. video. Oh, that's a slate? I thought a slate yeah. was when you like look at the camera like this. You slate towards the camera. Yeah, it's a yeah. clapboard. But when you slate to a camera as an actor, don't you also yes. go like this? So slating to it, yeah. So slating as an actor is like name, union affiliation, and agent or representation. Are you unionized? I am. I I could see being. I am. I've been a member of SAG AFTRA since 1996. Favorite production that you were in? Uh, my favorite one was Surrogates, starring Bruce Willis. Uh, Are we we familiar with the the film? It's uh, it's garbage. All the movies I'm in are garbage. Right. Well, let me guess. You play like lumberjack number three. No, I play. <laughs> I play a military officer. Whoa! Uh, it was the best. Like, look, my part ended up getting cut out because that's the story of my life. <laughs> but I played a military officer. I went and I uh, like did a bunch of training with like weapons because I like, I had to fire an M sixteen. <laughs> I, I had to fire an M sixteen. I had to jump out of a helicopter because in the movie I kill Ving Rhames. Where was this filmed? This was filmed like all over Massachusetts. It was filmed at the same time Shutter Island was filmed. Oh, so you got a major league part though. Oh yeah, <laughs> like. And then they uh, cut you. And it, yeah, I end up getting like cut out. Oh but, man. But man, that one of those days it was, I want to say like eighteen hours. Oh. And so it it was a long day, especially because I'm in head to toe like combat regalia. Gear. I'm in combat gear, so it's like, ugh. You know, it's got to look good. So, yeah, of course, I'm in a flak jacket, and the flak jacket's heavy as hell. And, and you're ripped up. Yeah. Just, just, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just a beast. Oh, yeah, of course. And, yeah, jumped out of a helicopter, shot an M16. There was, like, a f- whole, like, fight sequence like or, like, uh, action sequence. So it was bananas. Who is Vin Rames? Vin Rames is 
the he is the large black actor that isn't Michael Clark Duncan. Uh, he I was know in Mission exactly Impossible. who that is. <laughs> he was in Mission Impossible. Yeah. Um, yes, I want to say he was in Longest Yard. Michael Clark Duncan is the Green Mile. Yeah, Michael Clark Duncan is the but, Green Mile. But, but you're forgetting that there's another large muscular black actor Terry, Terry Crews Cruz. <laughs> yes. yeah. I saw something because everybody's freaking out right now because Disney in the live action version of the Little Mermaid has cast an African American actress Dope. to play the Little Mermaid so everybody's freaking out because the internet is awful and people are terrible in 2019 but one of the funniest things I saw that I didn't know I wanted was they're like yeah wait till you see the remake of he-man and it's and it's terry cruz as he-man uh, of course and i was like i am so uh, in on that i have the power he, he he's expressed a couple of times that he doesn't like being typecasted but i think he plays his type so well oh uh, yeah well it's you know you understand that where it's like hey man like i can do more than be the funny guy f- that falls down and and, and, and pop my pecs yeah you know what i mean and, and it's he's tough huge he is huge he's so smart too like he's very clever. i was looking at i was listening to an interview i think it was uh hot ones on youtube mm-hmm. and he was talking about how he's like yeah i really gotten into like building computers and it's just oh, like yeah yeah i didn't expect terry cruz to be about building computers he's very quick-witted and uh i don't know it seems like he's got a life together man yeah right so let me give you a proper introduction. This is the first podcast that we have run in like two weeks because we compiled a bunch before the event. Right. And so I'm coming back off relax mode. I feel like I got to get back into mania mode, back a little more psycho. You know, right. we, I feel like you, yeah. you, you know what I mean, right? Oh, yeah. You live like a quadruple life. So. Oh, yeah. Depends on who I am today. Exactly. I don't know who I am. T- I, don't, I don't even know who I am ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's a weird, it's a weird existence. <laughs> Absolutely, but we had we're coming off the mass cast, man. For those of you who weren't there, it was an incredible time. I'm very grateful for everybody who came out. We're bleeding out of our eyes to get it done. Shouts out to Frankie Films for making it look very aesthetic, and the production on the day of was smooth. And then also shout to Liam Stryker, yeah, of the New Age Insiders for showing up. And dominating the floor. Oh, of course. Well, that's what ha- that's our mo, right? As the new age insiders, we roll into places and we make our presence known. Good. Uh, that's what ended up happening. That's how the current incarnation of the three of us, uh, the new age insiders, uh, new age insiders entertainment is myself, uh, another gentleman, uh, Jason Maltov, and Bill Neville. That's the those shouts are, out to Bill and Jason. Yeah, those are uh, that's the. The show, the the kayfabe, if you will. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that term. I'm not. Sounds quite intellectual. So kayfabe is uh, basically the fictional world that pro wrestling lives in. Kayfabe? Yeah, that's what they call it. So like basically back in the 80s when people thought that it was real, you know, like Hulk Hogan was always Hulk Hogan. He was never Terry Bollea, right? And so basically that's kind of- Oh, okay. So when people thought wrestling was- actually real Real, right but how is that possible because you would see the miss punches right well people were stupid so people are still stupid stupid. uh yeah so basically those are the three of us as the the continuity of the show exists uh new age new age insiders entertainment uh which is a podcasting and entertainment company that I own uh, is actually run by myself. LLC'd? It's LLC'd, yeah. Eddie McCabe, and then uh, 
And then Are Chris McGoo. Your real name's Eddie McCabe? Yes, it is. I just ruined my day. I know. Man. <laughs> I know. Uh, the funniest thing is, I always say it's uh, it's uh, I, we got to have the Santa Claus talk, uh, you know, because I'll because we'll bring people on. That oh, so I didn't know that. So you so you portray. Uh, yeah, well, it's a very interesting story. I play. I I use a fake name on the show because five years ago, because uh, we had just celebrated five years two weeks ago. Congrats! That's uh, fire. Yeah, si- uh, five. Uh, uh, 260, uh, 262 consecutive weeks. We've never no missed misses. a week. No misses. And now that's not the total number of shows because we do special shows. We do live pay-per-view shows, shows yeah. live shows, all sorts of nonsense. But that's the weekly show. Uh, but when we started, it was me and Chris, who is my co-host, goes by Jason Maltov. Uh, we, I was in the process of being, interviewing to be a writer for WWE. And oh, word. Okay. so the last thing I wanted to do was have WWE Google because like we had just talked about, I'm a SAG after actor, right? I'm very Googleable. And so if you were to Google me and I'm interviewing to be a writer and the first thing that pops up is this podcast that has two episodes and it's me being like, these writers have no idea what they're talking about. Vince is out of touch. Oh, you're wicked critical. And yeah, yeah. So, because that's what you, you know, if you're trying you to, to do be. anything, yeah, yeah. you got to be, you know, you're analyzing anything. You got to be critical. And so, yeah, I was, I made the decision. I'm like, so much so that I like met with the head of creative at the time, like when, like the week before or the week after we started the show. And so I ultimately didn't get the job. And so, and so you were pissed. So I was pissed because now I'm kind of like stuck with this name mm-hmm. uh, because we didn't like I say this to Chris every single time that we kind of hit a major milestone, right? We've been on WEEI. We're really close friends with the guys at 98.5, the Sports Hub Sergeant, uh, Jay Stu, you know. We've and, had major WWE wrestlers on yeah, your show. Uh, we have the current, we've had the current WWE champion on, you know. So we, we're really plugged in and we're really, really big. And so every single time I look at them, I I say the same thing. I look at him and I go, not bad for a couple of guys that just wanted a hundred people they didn't know to follow him on Twitter. You know? And now you're at a couple thousand. We're, we're at fifteen we're at like fifteen. Talk your 000. shit, man. We're at like fifteen thousand on uh Twitter, twenty five on Facebook, you know, like we're really lacking on Instagram. <laughs> you guys, yeah, you guys got to put on more content. We got to, yeah. The the, t- it's it's always tough because you know every single time that we kind of like build something up, it, we have to take it one thing at a time. Yeah, I right. Feel you. you know because if you spread out through so many different things, nothing gets built up because you're you're spread out so thin. Uh, so we focused on Twitch, right? And that that's kind of we decided instead of going to Instagram right away, you know, going to Twitch. But I saw something. That just shows how crazy popular Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook are in terms of active users. So having yeah, having so that be a the priority. demographic of your audience, where are they mostly sitting? So they're mostly sitting on Twitter, um, Twitter, YouTube. Those are kind of the the bread the and butter uh, for the pro wrestling community. You know, just because what is is it the average? I think when most people envision a wrestling fan. They yeah. either picture a 13-year-old boy with a backwards yep. cap yep, or 
a 52-year-old man with a pot belly. Yeah. Uh, am you're I, not wrong. Am, am I spot on? Yeah, you're not wrong. Uh, <laughs> Why do you say that so depressively? <laughs> because it, there are, like, we've done a great job of fostering a community of, like, quote-unquote normal people. Right. You know, you have people that enjoy this as anybody would, you know, any other show people, you know, there are, you know, the crazy there's the stereotypical fan of the people that love Jersey Shore. Right. I am one of them, although I'm not stereotypical. (laughs) Right. So did you enjoy Jersey Shore? I don't I don't watch Jersey Shore, but it's classic. But, you know, you have those like, you know, those teenage girls and those bros, right, that are, like, super into the Jersey Quitos. Shore. Right. But then, you know, there's, like, a f- bunch of people that don't fit into those two groups that are, you know, your average television vision viewing audience that kind of fits into that. So we've done a great job of fostering a community of, like, finding those type of people okay. where it's, like, yeah, every now and then we have, like, fringe crazy people that come in that's... Still, I love you, John Cena. Yeah, that like still thinks it's real, you know, and it's <laughs> it's very very interesting. There's no to way. Those people. Does anybody think still think that Jeff Hardy is sending off the forty feet? People thought that was a real impact. Yeah. Well, so here's the thing. And, and if you're unfamiliar with what I'm talking about, I don't know the exact match, but Jeff Hardy climbed up like. The production apparatus yeah. at Alive was it Raw or just SmackDown at the time? Uh, I think it was Raw. Who was my favorite wrestler at the time? And he had a move called the Swanton Bomb. Yeah, and he legitimately ascended forty feet onto his opponent, which yeah, in the real world, like the physical world, yeah, would kill both individuals. Yes, but they both walked away fine. Yeah. Well, working in, working actually in with wrestling promotions, uh, I spent a long time as the like executive producer of the television programming for Chaotic Wrestling, which is a Woburn-based uh, wrestling company. You must have seen crazy stuff, right? And here's the thing: people hear pro wrestling and they hear fake, or they assume fake, and they think that none of it hurts. And what they don't realize is, is that like, yeah, the number might not have been 40 feet, but that man still jumped off of that thing onto that other man. And no amount of fake is going to stop that from sucking. Yeah, like he had to fall the 40 feet. Right. He had, Like, yeah, maybe it was actually 25 feet. But that still sucks. It still looked like it hurt. You know, the th- the biggest misconception about a wrestling ring is that people think that it's a trampoline. And it's like, no, it's a metal box and there are wood planks and then a thin, like, high school wrestling mat. Like, have you ever seen oh, a high school? That's it? I thought it was, like, heavily padded. No, not at all. Not at all. It sucks getting yeah. thrown on that. The rope is actual, it's either actually real rope or... Or it's cabling. And so when you run against those ropes, it's not elastic. Like, you have to actually throw your body against it. You know, I did training out at uh, the Santino Brothers School of uh, Pro Wrestling in Los Angeles when I lived out there. So you wanted to wrestle at a certain point? Uh, You know, it was... Don't lie to me. Yeah, like, yes and no. Um, It's one of those type of things where I 
always believe that if you're going to criticize something or if you're going to have an opinion on something, you have to have an educated opinion. And so if I'm going to sit there and say, hey, this is going to suck, you know, the I I want to eliminate the excuse of like, well, you've never done X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. And it's like, look, do I have the experience of a 20-year vet? No, I haven't. But but I understand. But the it's process. like, yeah. yeah, man, I understand how sucky it is to run those ropes and get bruises all along your rib cage because you have to really throw yourself into that, or to get stapled to your forehead. Yeah, well, I haven't done that. Well, we actually, should, we should I try that. it after the episode. Yeah, we'll do that after. We'll, yeah, but <laughs> it's it's so much harder, and it and it sucks because that's a misconception. Is like, oh, you know, it's fake, right? And it's like, yeah, you watch Game of Thrones, you know, that's fake, right? No, it's not. You know, dragons <laughs> don't really exist, right? Uh, sorry to interrupt, but let's. Can you just give a quick synopsis of who you are for anybody listening? Yeah, or sure. Uh, my name is Eddie McCabe. I am one of the co-owners of New Age Insiders Entertainment. On the show, I go by Liam Stryker. Uh, the New Age Insiders is the premier place for fans of all kinds to connect, discuss, and to be heard. You can follow us everywhere on uh, New Age Insiders at NewAgeInsiders.com on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, the show is found on Twitch.tv slash New Age Insiders TV every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock. Uh, and you can find Scott, all of our. On a roll. <laughs> you can find all of our information at newageinsiders.com. I am also the host of that movie, movie show, show. sponsored uh, by Showcase. Sponsored Cinemas. by Showcase Cinemas. I'm contractually obligated to say, sign up for Showcase, subscribe, where you can watch three movies a month for fifteen ninety nine. Sounds like a ripoff. No, <laughs> it's fantastic. It's one of my favorite things in the world. Actually, to be honest, that's an incredible. Deal. Uh, they're yeah, three movies a month for fifteen bucks. Uh, That's it, not bad at all. You actually buy a ticket, you spend more than that. You, oh, these are movies in theaters. Movies in theaters. That is a steal. Showcase cinemas. Shouts yeah. out to you guys. That's uh, some free promo. Yeah, we're we're really we're trying to do their uh, their bring back program. So we got two different episodes. Uh, one is the half hour version, which is on North Shore 1049 uh, every Saturday morning at nine o'clock. So you can listen to that. And that's a half hour of like movie news and rumors and stuff like that. And then we have an hour long, like deep dive into movies where we just like have film one. analysis. Yeah, like a film analysis. And so what we want to do is we want to get to uh, showcase has like a bring back program. So like I want to say it was either last week or this week. I don't know. So very, very recently. Uh Forrest Gump's 25th anniversary happened. So for one night only, they brought it back into theaters. Who was it that told... Frank, was it you that said Frank Forrest Gump was your favorite movie? Uh, someone told me Forrest Gump was your favorite movie. I was like, who was it? And I was like, yo, could you pick a more stereotypical favorite movie? Yeah. It's what is good. your favorite movie? <laughs> My favorite movie is Singing in the Rain. It is a musical starring Debbie Reynolds, who is uh, Carrie Fisher's mom. I mean, you're familiar Singing in the Rain? Yeah, it is a... Uh, uh, basically, uh, I'm such a film nerd that it's so... Uh, like, one, I love uh, big-budget, like, classic Hollywood musicals. Uh, and I just... What do you think of Les Mis, even though it's not classical? I didn't like it. Um, just, like... My, <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> Jesus, what have I done? <laughs> I uh, My issue with Les Mis was that they focused so much on the fact that they were like, we're live singing, that they locked off the camera and... It, they just let people like sing while the camera was locked off, and it's like, well, this isn't really a dynamic singing performance. I would have rathered you 
had just recorded it and used it as a backing track then actually live sang on film have you seen hugh jackman's his interview about it no my dad is my rock you've never seen that <laughs> no. it's like my dad told me everything about dependability nobility yeah. reliability accountability visibility <laughs> we're like all right dude relax <laughs> yeah we get it we get it <laughs> he is the best bro yeah. i'm a uh I, I like hugh jackman i thought he was really good in the movie but i did not do you like the, the wolverine series i I liked Old Man Logan. Old Man, the actual comic book of Old Man Logan is one of my favorite comic series of, of all time uh, because it was so interesting and so fun. Uh, obviously, the the movie was very, very different uh, just because they didn't have all the other characters that they could play with. Was that the one where Professor X was in the silo? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so in the comic version, uh, Hawkeye shows up and he's blind. And Logan works as like a, he's basically like a dirt farmer in the Midwest. And like the Hulk's kids are really just like kind of messing with him. And basically the setup is, is that all of the Marvel villains had teamed up and they had taken over the, the world basically. And so they divided up the country into different parts. And so Wolverine had given up fighting and you you ultimately end up finding out why and it's similar to the what happened in Logan kind of old man Logan the movie Uh, but Hawkeye is like hey we need you to like I need you to help me bring something to Washington DC and basically he's going to start a revolution because he has Captain America's shield but Hawkeye's blind at this point and so he needs Logan to drive the car. And lo- you find out that, like, the reason why is because Mysterio, the current villain of Spider-Man Far From Home. Uh, I have not seen it. Have you guys seen the Spider-Man movie? Oh, it's great. Sorry to interrupt. Do you want to come up and say hi? Abu? See, Abu will get his shouts. So, listen, Frankie Films has been producing. Frankie Films is leaving for China very soon. And I was like, you know, why don't we just get two producers on the show, man? Why don't we just create a dope team of some really smart kids? And uh, Abu is coming on. I am pumped, man, because Abu's a genius. Yeah. And Frankie Films is a genius. And I'm just the stupid one. Where are you? Where in China are you going? Uh, okay, cool. I fucking loved Shanghai. You've been there? Yeah, I got to uh I got to go and work one of the one of my clients uh they work with Harvard Business School and so they Whoa. Uh, so no I went to Harvard Business School? Oh, my sister. Oh, wow. Very in. Want to know who's living in the shadow? You. Me. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, the only time I get to do stuff at Harvard Business School is when they sneak me in the back door. <laughs> but whoa. Yeah. <laughs> uh but yeah, so we ended up going out to Shanghai. And I got to film out there. Shanghai is dope. That place is fucking dope. I love it. Uh, and then we went up to Beijing, and we uh, we got to see the Great Wall of China. So that was something I never thought I'd be able to see. Pretty dope, you know. So that was that was really cool. Saw the Forbidden City and all that fun stuff. I got to be honest. Usually, most episodes that we do like a deep dive interview. Yeah. But uh, I feel like you have done an eclectic mix of things yeah. in your lifetime. Yeah. Do you feel that way? Yeah, a little bit. Do you feel, do you feel like you have too many interests ever? Uh, yeah, I feel like sometimes the problem is, is that I get a little bit of shotgun spread. Elaborate. Like uh, spread too thin? Yeah, just so basically I, pref- I do the podcast, I run a production company, and then I also like work, work and have like, I like, like to play flag football. <laughs> you know what I mean? What, you, what position? 
Uh, I play like a wide receiver. What, uh, what type of league is this? Uh, so <laughs> I play out in. Um, uh, we play out in SBS, Social Boston Sports. Uh, they, oh, those are huge. I haven't seen T-shirts everywhere. Yeah, so they run a bunch of different leagues. They have basically anything and everything you want. You know, basketball, flag football, dodgeball, cornhole. Like, there's all sorts of stuff. And it's good. It, it, you know, over the summer, there's a couple of different sessions. So, in you that know, heat, in that hot Boston summer yeah, heat. We play at MIT. It's fun. We got um, the team made the playoffs. So we have playoffs on Sunday the... 17th i believe or the 14th i don't Whoa. know but next sunday whatever next sunday is and so it's uh you know we got a pretty good thing we got a pretty good shot at the championship so pretty excited <laughs> pretty excited man okay so so back to you feeling spread thin oh yeah so you know but yeah so i do that and so like even within the podcast end of stuff it's moving the brand forward as a whole right you know kind of taking that macro approach seeing what you know what is going on there actually keeping up with the product to be a host of the show developing new content as well as curating other content from our affiliates then on the production company end of stuff i have three main clients that i work with so what Liam, aka Eddie, is elaborating on is he he frequently goes out and is independently contracted to produce for shows. Yeah, local to New England. Mostly, yeah, right? so uh, I do. You know, basically because they don't care. Um, I work with uh, a comedy club in Boston, uh, Improv Asylum. Right? Dope, that's, love it there. That's probably one of my biggest, uh, probably one of my biggest clients. Um, they're great. I've worked with them for years. When I was in college, I started out as like an unpaid Where'd you go to school? I went to the New England Institute of Art, which isn't a school anymore. Nice. So, shout out to good old AI. Any art, man. (laughs) Yeah. uh, They, I started out as an unpaid intern. Basically, in their live stage shows, they have a theater down in the North End, right on Hanover Street. Yeah, it's great. And it's fantastic. At one point, they'll pull somebody out of the audience, and they'll interview them, and then they'll basically do a day in the life of... Them. Eddie McCabe. Yeah, so of whatever. So my job was as the unpaid intern. There was a, a person that was in charge of filming the whole thing, and then they could purchase it on DVD. <laughs> so I was in charge of- Was this in 1920? <laughs> yeah, it was a long time ago. See, we had media, and it was on discs, you see? Literally. And you would stick it into a box that was under your TV. Uh, it wasn't even attached yet. DVD. Yeah, we had to use three cables, not made, not one like the HDMI cords you're used to today. The one was red, one was yellow, and one was white. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that's what I started. That's what I started with, and then from there ended up like working as an usher. Uh, worked your way up and worked my way up and i was the tech director there for a long time doing the lights doing the lights and pre-recorded sound and everything and so then i'd always had an interest in video like i helped work on their tv show that was nominated for like regional emmy and, and stuff like that so worked really really hard worked with great people and yeah so now i basically i travel with them they got hired to work with like harvard business school that's a major client of theirs and so for, when, for what like corporate icebreakers for corporate and training so they have a whole program because the principle basically the the concept is, is that the principles of improvisational comedy will help you Absolutely. in team building and i always say that it's the greatest skill i never knew i was going to need because it helps you in so many situations like the mass cast that we had just done where it's like yeah man i have no idea what i'm gonna do i have no idea what i'm gonna say 
we're just gonna go for it and it and it breaks down that barrier adaptability right yeah uh adaptability and versatility right Absolutely, yeah and so yeah i worked with them and you know i got to go to dubai we got to f- sh- go to dubai and shoot in dubai i got to go to uh the sheikh zayed mosque which is the the largest mosque outside of mecca oh my god you know and that place is beautiful got to go swim in the arabian sea like Whoa. you know and so it's like you know i get to do a lot of really really cool things so uh, growing up were you always like i i want to work to a point where i'm at least semi-entrepreneurial um maybe not necessarily i mean the the vision has kind of always changed as you kind of get older um i knew i always wanted to work in entertainment that was that was always a must because as the legend goes uh i was watching power rangers because that was a new show at the time which power rangers mighty morphin power rangers was this what was this the one where they would like what's his name what what's the dude's face the oh yeah zordon zordon yeah big face like zordon we're talking season one okay so i'm familiar so this is like i'm gonna say 2001 no this is like 92 my fault. <laughs> yeah, this is bad like, estimation. Yeah, this is like ninety two, ninety four, uh, and so I'm a I'm a young kid, and I'm like, hey mom, I want to do that. Like I know that this. Where'd you grow up? I grew up in Newton. Uh, Newton North or South? North. So crazy enough for those also listening, Newton North is a hotbed for people interested in entertainment. Yes. So Liam, aka Eddie is a p- major podcast host, the biggest podcast host in this country, yeah. also attended Newton North. Oh, yeah? Joe Rogan. Yes. Did he go north or south? I think he went to south. I am an idiot. I, um, so, Novak, Matt LeBlanc. Uh, AKA Joey on Friends. <laughs> Joey on Friends. I grew up around the corner from his parents. Did you rob his house ever? No, I did not. You ever peep through his windows? No, I did not, because that's weird. Yeah, I wouldn't do that either. <laughs> yeah, that'd no. be weird. Uh, Louis C.K., he went to high school with my dad. So oh, I thought you were gonna say he was your brother. Yeah, no. Yeah, I know. That'd be that'd be a weird twist, huh? <laughs> that'd be a huge curveball. Yeah, all of a sudden just sitting here and didn't lead with that. <laughs> um but yeah, so yeah, that, I grew up there. That's Frank's favorite comedian. Oh, Lucy K? He's a pretty good guy. I mean, the minus the like masturbating in front of women thing, but you know, hey, we don't talk about that. A lot of, a lot of entertainers go through it. <laughs> yeah, they all go through something. Don't just just own it all. Just own it all. That's that's what you got to do. Internet's transparent, man. Yeah. And so uh, I was I was talking to my mom, and I'm like, Mom, I can do that. And she's like, you know, you're a child. You're obviously saying that you can be a Power Ranger. And I'm like, no, Mom. I know that that's not real. Like, I know that they're, like, playing pretend or whatever. And I want to do that. And so she was like, okay, when you learn how to read, because there's, like, a lot of reading involved, like, you know, thinking that it was just going to be something that I'm going to say. I know, Ugh. reading. Ugh. When she's like, you learn how to read, like, I'll figure out how to do it. So basically, now growing up, it's like, yeah, my mom was just kicking that can down the road, being like, yeah, hopefully this kid will just forget and I won't have to actually figure this out. Hopefully my son turns out half normal. <laughs> yeah. Because he's showing some early signs of having some issues. Yeah, right. So sure enough, uh, you know, get a little older, get a whole grasp on the whole reading thing, and, you know, and so I'm like, all right, mom, you said you'd help. Let's figure it out. Uh, so she ended up hooking me up with an, a uh, talent agency in Boston. Boston Casting? No, uh, Cameo 
at the time. Wasn't there something called like John Robert Morris? Do you know what I'm talking about? John Robert Powers? Something like that. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, there's a lot of them. And so we ended up finding Cameo Kids at the time. I think it's now Cameo Talent Agency because I'm pretty sure they expanded into adults as well. But at the time, it was just kids. Sounds perverted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's <laughs> acting for you. You know, you're whoring out kids. I can see you being a good child actor. Uh, so my first, uh, my first commercial was a Lucky Charms commercial. And no way! I'll, I'll the, it's on YouTube. Like the commercial is on YouTube. So if you and it was uh, basically if you sent in enough, like you know, box tops or whatever, you'd get uh, oh box tops. You remember yeah. box tops? Yeah, you get a box tops, and you you'd get like different Tiger electronics, like Brain Warp or like a Gigapet or something. Oh, dope! You know, so like that was. So what were you doing in the commercial? I was dancing around like an idiot in a uh, in a white infinity wall. At least they at least they didn't play with the Irish stereotype. Yeah, right. Call you a little lucky. Yeah, no, not <laughs> at all. Fortunately, but yeah, that was uh, that was my first commercial, and then I did a bunch of acting out there and and stuff like that. And so, when it became time to kind of decide to go to college, my idea was I would like to learn the production end of things, right? And so, you know, uh, if you go to school. You can go to school for acting. You don't need to necessarily go to college for it. And this like, is back. This is a couple of years. Though no one goes to school for acting anymore. Really. Right. Well, and and it was kind of the same concept where it's like, you know, yeah, I can go to an uh, an improv asylum. Right. Improv asylum has classes, and it's going to be far cheaper to go there. Go to Tish. Then go to yeah. Then go to NYU. You know, and like learn how to theatrically act you know for like as like an animal or something you know what i mean so you look at it and I, production seemed to be the best course of action for me and that way i could learn lighting and audio and cameras and lenses and you know and how to direct and it was ultimately the better choice now again that was 2007 so you know there wasn't uh, sophisticated learning tools on the internet like there are now i mean I, Film Riot. I wish. Like, Film Riot started right when <laughs> no, I got yeah. out of college. Yeah, Film Riot. Dude. Yeah. What an incredible tool. Yeah. Well, it's Film Riot, uh, Rocket Jump Film School. If you don't know Rocket Jump Film School, I don't think they're producing any more content for it, but it's Freddie W. And basically, they just released a bunch of courses. Uh, like a, just a bunch of crash courses on how stuff works. Like, hey, if you want to be a grip, this is what Instagram a, live. Yeah, this is what a grip is. If you want to do a, be a DP, this is what a DP does. If you want to be a first AD, this is what a first AD does. And it, and it just a bunch of videos, a bunch of videos like that. And it's great. Uh, Peter McKinnon, he's fantastic. Casey Neistat, he's more technical than he is anything else. Me, me and Frank were just talking about his uh, his video where he goes on like the $32,000 flight. Oh yeah, where he just got like a Turkish airline like private suite Emirates thing. Fire. Emirate. Sick video. Yeah, I was hoping so much that that was just like cuz like we flew Emirates to the United Arab Emirates. But you got that coach seat, boy. I got a coach seat. <laughs> but even still, that plane was nice as hell. It was fire, right? Uh so the seats were a little bit nicer. The the screens were great because you could like pop them out and like hold them. So like an iPad. Whoa. Which was great. And then obviously we're flying off. Were you served salmon? Um, I forget what we were served. I got real sick on my flight back from China. 
Like, I also think I might have contracted something, but who knows? How long ago is this trip, man? The This trip was long. So, <laughs> the difference between- Are you still contagious? No, no. This was like years ago. Uh, the difference between the, tri- the China trip and the Dubai trip was like a couple of months, right? And so, I get home from China, which it was the longest Wednesday of my life. It was the longest Wednesday of my life. I woke up in China on at like six o'clock Wednesday morning. I didn't get home until like back to Boston until uh like eleven thirty PM local. And there's so many time changes oh, yeah. that I actually spent like thirty six hours in Wednesday. Like that's how you were in purgatory. I was. It was thirty six <laughs> hours in Wednesday. Like I left ah. at six. I left at six o'clock in the morning. Then we flew to Seattle to get like go through customs and everything, and got got to Seattle. And it was like eight o'clock. And then and these are during the Ichiro days. Yeah, these are during the Ichiro days. He was batting, you know, four eighty. 400 hits a season. <laughs> yeah, 400,000 hits a season. Uh, but yeah, I just, on the flight, the that leg, I ate something on that flight back from China, and yeah, it was brutal. But I gave it I gave it to my roommate. I gave it to my roommate, so I don't think it was actually the food that I contracted. I think I got avian birth. Something, something airborne. SARS, I don't know. One of those, one of those diseases that they, they warn you about. SARS, jeez. Let me segue real brief. So, I want you to just. I, I tried my best to do a little bit of WWE knowledge. Cool. I was a, I was a major WWE fan, probably from fifth grade to ninth grade. Yep, sounds about right. As most As fans did. are, right? I actually started a trampoline fighting league. Of course, you did. I was consistently the champion. Of course. But these were actually like vicious fights. I would layer cinder blocks around the yeah, trampoline. Right. So like we would be playing for high stakes here. And I had a signature move called the flying mohilo, which was a pretty much a flying drop kick. But yes, if you got hit with a flying mohilo and you ascended off the trampoline, your back would hit a cinder block. And, That's brutal. And I loved every minute of it. That's brutal. But during my last real contact with WWE was I had bought in WrestleMania for like 99 bucks. Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. I'm sure it's cheaper now. Way cheaper. But it was the battle of light and dark with The Undertaker coming out in all black and Shawn Michaels coming down as okay. an angel. Okay? And it was the most incredible match. It was awesome. Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? I know exactly what you're talking about. Was, I mean, it, I can't, was it 25, maybe? I can't remember which one it was, because Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker fought back-to-back, and I want to say that's the second one, and it's his retirement match. Yeah, it was. And so those two matches are held as two of the best of all time. Unbelievable. Yeah. And I remember at the time that that WrestleMania, in terms of the WWE brand was very important because right. it was like kind of they didn't really know the direction of it yeah and then it bumped up and then I remember hearing after that the WWE kind of lost touch with its core fan base yeah with the whole social media boom right and yes yeah, so social media has been probably has probably been the biggest thorn in the side of WWE uh Vince McMahon 
who has been the chairman of the board and owner of this company since its inception. And had creative control. He's had creative control the entire time. So basically, just a brief history for people that have no idea and are watching on Instagram. Yeah, it's the the lame show. Oh, look here. I'm going to wave. Oh, look at that. I'm going to wave to all those people. Yes. This guy's assertive. (laughs) Um, But basically, uh, Worldwide Wrestling Federation... Uh, was originally what it was called. It was owned by Vince McMahon Sr. And Vince bought it over. That was back in the territory days. So he was the New York territory. So it was New York and basically all of the Northeast. That was the kind of the home promotion for World Wrestling Federation. He basically then went around the country because there were just these small pockets of companies of companies oh, okay. that had wrestlers and stuff and he started picking people out and that's what built the WWF roster. So he gets a TV deal and that's how he ends what up. What channel? Um I want to say it was on CBS. No. Yeah, CBS maybe. Or but basically it was like back in the day. It was like Saturday night superstars and so it was once a month and and all that stuff. So basically builds the WWF as you know it with Raw and WrestleMania yeah. and all the pay-per-views and everything like and, that. And then the the third program which can consistently changes it was ecw when i was yeah so in middle school so that's a different program um they have ownership though right they they bought them out because it was wcw ecw those were like the big companies nxt now nxt is their developmental that's where all my friends wrestle (laughs) so shout out to your friends yeah all my friends uh buddy of mine is wrestling i don't know when this is going to drop but he just wrestled at the evolved 10th anniversary show against tyler breeze uh so shout out who's your friend so my buddy uh, that's wrestling tyler breeze is uh anthony green he's the retrosexual anthony green uh he his entire (laughs) gimmick is that he's like an 80s sleazeball it's amazing like a mick foley no like um like Rick Rude, I don't know if you. Oh yeah. Like a you know Rick Rude, like a combination between Rick Rude and Val Venus. Okay. Like a little bit, and he's great. He's he's absolutely great. But yeah, so basically WWE has kind of always existed in this bubble, right? Because Vince McMahon surrounds himself with people, and he's lived and died by the TV ratings, and everybody tells him he's great. Everybody tells him he's very smart and fantastic at what he's doing and now twitter comes and wwe leans into twitter because they want to be socially conscious progressive and and progressive and kind of just evolve with the times well it kind of backfires because the fans have rejected the product that they're seeing and it all started in 2000 and it's too polished right that's the issue it's like too polished too pc and the fans for the most part I mean, we're generalizing because it's a massive yeah. brand, but people want to see the crazy shit. So, yeah, it's a little bit of that. So the real world implications were in 2008, I want to say, Chris Benoit murders his family and kills himself, mm. right? <laughs> and and this is going to sound really, really messed up, but did he kill his son with his signature move? Did he just kill someone with the grip across face? No, that's that's just an internet thing. Okay, because I believe that for a long time. Yeah. But. He um he he murdered yeah with the details the only interesting thing about that that is not you know the sad part about a man with terrible terrible CTE and and roid rage and roid rage murdering his family and then killing himself is the hilarious conspiracy theory uh, that's attached to it about a different wrestler that used to be married to his wife that actually murdered it it was it's a whole it's a whole thing it's, if you like conspir- rabbit hole if you like conspiracy theories. 
it's very fascinating, but it's it doesn't have any weight. So basically, they he does that. He does that unspeakable thing, and now sponsors are pulling out of WWE. So they have to make a radical shift in their programming because up until then, they made it what is my favorite period. Everybody wants to kind of point to the Attitude Era, the Stone Cold Steve Austin, Rock, Triple H, that era. DX. DX, that sort of like raw Jerry Springer era. I always liked the Ruthless Aggression Era, which was kind of around 2001, post-invasion. And who was, was that The Rock? When the Rock so was that big? was like Triple H, John Cena, Eddie Guerrero, Kurt Angle. And was Vicky Guerrero in the league by this point? No. She was not because she um she was just married to Eddie at the time. He, she doesn't get brought on until she was he, a great character though. Yeah, she doesn't get brought on until he dies. Actually, who RKO'd? Didn't Randy Orton yeah. RKO her? Yeah. <laughs> you, so do you know any wrestlers, Frank? Not really. Are you familiar with Randy Orton? The RKO. Yeah, he, the out of nowhere that was is, on is the he internet. Still wrestling? Yeah, not as much, but he is. But did he ever try to get into acting? Or yeah, the, I mean, he's been in WWE films. The Marine? The Marine 7. <laughs> like, behind enemy lines in Abagua. <laughs> Here. Here's a good crossover between your worlds. Yeah. Name the best WWE movie with a WWE actor in it. Easy. The Condemned, starring Stone Cold Steve Austin. Do you actually enjoy it? Oh, uh, it's my favorite. It's my favorite of those movies. What about Walking Tall with The Rock? I hated that movie. I loved it. Uh, the Condemned has one of my favorite lines in all of movies, where Stone Cold Steve Austin is playing like an American CIA agent that's like got like disavowed like during a mission because something went wrong. So he's just like in a Mexican prison, and this guy is going around and finding all of these prisoners that he's going to put on an island. And they're going to fight to the death. Whoever is the last person standing Lord of the Flies gets to be style. freed. Hunger Games, Lord of the Flies, Ooh. Battle Royale, that, that, whole, that whole Fortnite nonsense. And so Stone Cold Steve Austin is like sent in to this guy that he's scouting because they're like just feeding prisoners to this guy and he's like murdering people. And Stone Cold Steve Austin kills this guy immediately. And they're like, oh my God, who's this guy? And so they ask him, they go, hey, what do you... Uh, what are you what are you doing here in Stone Cold Steve Austin in the most Stone Cold Steve Austin ways? He's like, I was working on my tan. And he's just like, Why why'd you <laughs> ridiculous? Uh, why'd you blow up that building? Because it was blocking my son. <laughs> well so you have an American accent. Where are you from? He's like, I'm from a little fishing village about twenty miles north of Juneau, Alaska. You might have heard of it. Called Fuck Yo Mama. It was it, just, I bet him on set was ridiculous. Probably. <laughs> uh, my favorite I love the Broken Skull Ranch. Have you ever watched his show? Oh yeah, it, oh, it's like a. It's, it's like Redneck like Titan Games. It's, so it's like Redneck, redneck right? Ninja Warrior. Yeah, it's yeah, what it exactly. is. Exactly, and it's basically a bunch of people who think they're tough going and doing a bunch of like weird, like athletic tests of strength, while Stone Cold Steve Austin just yells at you. It's the greatest. I initially thought it was like a Biggest Loser type show. Oh, no. No, Stone Cold Steve Austin's like, run up the hill! Get up there, pussy! Yeah, and like, they're like dragging oh, themselves geez. through mud. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, what? Yeah, now you gotta jump in this moat and submerge yourself and like <laughs> swim all the length of a football field. It's like, oh, God. He's, he's you awesome, five though. seconds to do it. I'm like, what? He, here's another segue. Um, what? How frequently are steroids... Actually, how widely accepted are steroids accepted in the league? So, How widely accepted are stero is steroid use in, in the WWE? So, you, like, anabolic steroids don't really... HGH. Yeah, it's mostly HGH and stuff like that. 
for the most part, the wrestlers have kind of slimmed down. Uh, you know, you don't see it all that often. That John Morrison, that Adonis body boy. Yeah. Yes, sir. Well, it's like, you know, you see people you see people just kind of getting up there and using it. They're trying to get back from recovery because they're putting their body through a ton of shit, man. But at the same time, it's like, you're an actor in a play. I don't, I don't, I don't care what you're taking. Yeah, I know. But there was this huge... I remember there was a John Cena interview where he was like, so do you take steroids? And someone cut up the clip of it. So it, it like they manipulated the clip. But he was like, I can never tell you that I, you can never prove that I have taken them. And I'll never be able to tell you that I haven't taken them. Yeah. Yeah. That's, so everyone was like, wait, what, dude? <laughs> yeah. But you, you look at it and it's like, yeah, you're clearly on like HGH and stuff. Like John Cena, he's a prime example. There was a an injury that he had he had sustained and it's like you're going to be out for like 8 months and then he was back at the Royal Rumble like 4 months later and it's like Whoa. yeah man like you're clearly like one either the injury wasn't as bad as you said it was which again it's a play so or or you're putting that deer tranquilizer or, in that system. yeah or you were just like deer antler fetus spray oh yeah that was a deer velvet spray a uh, deer antler spray deer antler spray you know yeah, so what is the 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 cognitive and metaphysical benefit of that? Uh, I think it's just stem cells. So it helps with the healing process. So you put basically unassigned cells into an area that needs to like repair like a torn shoulder or something like that. But why deer antler? Is there like a focus of like very regenerative cells? Um, I would imagine that that's what they're not testing for. Right, like, because that was what the that's what the NFL okay. was uh, was doing at the time. I think Ray, wasn't Ray Lewis? Doing Ray Lewis took it. You know, so like I said, I think it's they weren't testing for that. You know, let's they might have moved on to like you know elk blood or something. I don't, you know what I mean? Like I don't. Yeah, with that. I don't really think. I think the common consumer there was a there was a a period where people really cared about steroid use. Yeah, but I think now people are just like let's just make sure sports are entertaining. Yeah, you know, I think that there's it depends on the league. They cared about it in baseball, but that's because baseball is such a stat-driven league. But dude, it was awesome when Barry Bonds was launching yeah. hundreds of home runs a yes, season. Yes, it was. It saved baseball. It Base- was sick. Baseball went on strike and was dying before Sosa McGuire and Bonds all got like juiced up and was hitting dingers. Rafael Palmero, yeah, Vlad know? Guerrero. Yeah, Vladimir Guerrero his is son's my a beast, favorite. Or is it his nephew? Yeah, no, it's his son. It's but Vladimir Guerrero is my favorite because that guy, like everybody, you walk, watch Barry Bonds and he's got the gloves, he's got an elbow thing, and he's got wrists, the ankles, and like he looks like he's wearing a suit of armor. Vladimir Guerrero walked no gloves, up there, yeah. no gloves, no nothing. That dude just walked up to the plate with a bat and was just like, let's do this. Bomb. You know, I liked him. I liked him a lot. But yeah, I think you look at you look at steroids and it's like, yeah, baseball is stat driven, so that matters, right? Because if this guy's on juice and he's you know, and not everybody's on juice and he's socking all those dingers, then yeah, that that affects the game. In football, it's like, whatever, man. Like you're going into a car wreck for two hours. That's ridiculous. Yeah, get take whatever you need to get right. Okay. So I want you to give me your five your top five favorite wrestling finishers. Yep. And I want you to semi reenact them on this air dummy right here. On the air this dummy. This invisible air There's dummy. An air dummy. I can't I can't do that. There's too phys- too many physical things. So 
If you were to give me five, though. Um, I'll give you my five current just because um, I can't, you know, all time. Uh, well, you could do all time, right? Yeah, maybe all time. Stone Cold Stunner. It's a classic. Bam. That's a classic. The Tombstone Piledriver. Um, the Flying Elbow from Macho Man Randy Savage. Mm-hmm. Always coming up over the top. Uh, I love the One Winged Angel by uh, Kenny Omega. Oh, I, I don't know. Yeah, he's a, he is a current like guy. He wrestles for AEW, and then Kazuchika Okada's Rainmaker. He is the current IWGP champion in Japan. Uh, which they just announced last night that they're going to be doing a show up in Lowell, and so. Oh, so you're gonna be there. I'm gonna be there. I'm gonna be there. That'd be awesome. Yeah, it's gonna be great. Can, I, can you ask me mine? What are yours? Okay. One, we're going to go with the walls of Jericho. Oh, very fun. Chris Jericho. Very fun. Is he still in the league? Yeah, uh, he wrestles for AEW now. Okay, word. Then, we're going to go with, obviously, the Swanton Bomb. Yep. Classic. Then the Sweet Chin Music. Uh, classic. I believe this is the name of it, but was the Rey Mysterio the Moonsault? The uh, 619? The 619 was a moonsault, right? Thing where he like went yeah. in between the ropes. Yeah, and then he did yeah. a backflip slam. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we're going to go with that. And then, obviously, the Kane choke slam. Yeah, that was a good one. Do you guys know Kane? That was a good one. He's the mayor of Knox County, Tennessee. Th- that does not surprise me. Yeah. We're entering an age, I feel, where, I mean, most people feel this. This isn't that profound of a point. Oh, I'm going to treat it like it is. Well, I think we're entering an age where celebrity is so valuable that i genuinely do think the rock could win president presidency. oh i mean you looked at it that's already been proven by the current president you do know? you guys think the rock could be president yes uh, strictly on the fact that it's you would a- vote for him for fun yeah <laughs> yeah it's a uh it's a Dude, popularity people love the rock they do they that, do. that was my co-star in a movie do you guys know that Central Intelligence? Yes, sir. Were you in that too? <laughs> no, I was not. You can see me for about four seconds. Dope. And I'm doing this. Nice. Nice. That big, was good. Big impact. That was good. Huge. He Huge. wasn't... The scene I was in, he actually wasn't there. But have you seen the movie? Were you when he was the fat rock? Exactly, yeah. yeah. Okay. So it was just this massive Simone kid. They flew from Florida. Yeah. And so he was naked. So like this whole time he had like tape over his dick. Yeah. And like you'd see his ass like the whole day. And so they just, they had him on this big bungee cords and they just like threw him out onto a pad like a hundred <laughs> times. And, oh. the, and it's this massive scene with these, with tons of extras. So right. It's just like a thousand people looking at this big naked kid just getting thrown onto a yeah, mat for like two straight days. Oh, that's brutal. <laughs> but it was a Boston casting gig. Yeah. Are, are you Boston casting? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, you kind of have to go through them. They've kind of bogarted. Monopolized. Yeah. Which is really unfortunate. Uh, they, um... I think that that's one thing you were talking about during the the mass cast is so I would say at this point on an independent level you're pretty well established in Boston. Yeah. What where do you think and what do you think needs to happen for Boston to shift into a, more of an entertainment hub? Uh, the biggest thing is is that these, the, you know, you kind of mentioned it. They flew that kid up from Florida. Now again, that's. That is a very specific skill set, right? That kid is very large and very Samoan. And and we don't have large Samoans here all that often in in Boston. But you see it in a lot of these movies where 
there's uh, The Departed or The Town or one of these movies that takes place here is about here and all that stuff. And they constantly bring up people to play these bit parts. And, you know, it's inexcusable. Like, obviously, your first and second tier actors are going to be the A-list stars, right? And they're going to come from anywhere. Your Ben Affleck's, your Matt Damon's, your Mark Wahlberg's, your Leonardo DiCaprio's, right? Those are, you got to sell the movie to a global audience. Those people obviously need to be there. Duh, right? What I'm talking about is the guy that plays the cab driver that might be in one or two scenes that guy is consistently casted out of New York or LA and they're flown here. And it's just this insane, like crazy thing where it's like, I'll go to New York or I'll go to LA in order to come back to Boston to film a movie. And it's like, that sounds absurd. And that's because our, our union here is just happy to be here and they're not fighting for that right they're not actually fighting for those local actors they're just happy that the movies are being made here because you know they want to tout and you see it all the time you know i don't count like personally and you know this differs from everybody so you know don't take my word as dogma but i don't count being an extra as being in a movie you know, as somebody who's as somebody who has directed stuff, you know, you're a prop, right? You're a living prop. How dare you? I know. I know. <laughs> I just shattered all of Boston's extra community, you know, and, and it is a thick community for people who don't know. It's it's a very and I don't want to anyone who's getting into movies to totally get it because I've been in a couple. Right. It is. You are very expendable as an extra. Yeah. There's nothing very special about you as an extra. If People I could, think it's, oh, this would be sick. No, you are treated very much like cattle. nothing. Exactly. Your cattle. And, and it's like, look, here's the thing. If you're getting into acting, they're great set experience. It's real on set experience. So there is value to doing it. And traditionally slash, wildly boring. Oh, it's awful. Uh, it's it's awful because Except sometimes that catered food is kind of hidden. Oh uh, yeah, remind me to tell you the story about the time I shared a pizza with the Fonz. Oh, whoa, <laughs> that seems like it's for another time. But that sounds yeah. crazy. Yeah, but uh, you know you, yeah, just being there and being on set and walking back and forth isn't the same as constructing a character, being in a scene like you know, working with a director and blocking and like being in the whole thing. It's just, it's not necessarily the same. And you'll see these people. And I just, I cringe every time. It's like, I've been in 40 movies. It's like, really, Carol, you've been in 40 movies. How many lines of dialogue have you had? You've been student one, two, three, and four. Yeah. Yeah. But you look at it. And you played a tree. And you played a tree, Meg. (laughs) Fuck you, Meg. But, It's just, you know, yeah, so the Boston community keeps flirting, like, Boston keeps flirting with the film credit, right? And the government keeps going, like, we're going to get rid of it, we're going to keep it, we're going to get rid of it, we're going to keep it, and that keeps starting and stopping the movies from coming here and the TV shows from coming here. So we need consistency. And so it just needs to be consistent. Like, just stop it. Stop messing around with it and just leave it alone or get rid of it. Like pick one and just do it because you're hurting this community. And so you're having a bunch of people that 
end up becoming big fishes in this small pond and they all move on. Right. And so you see them move to New York, you see them move to L.A. And it's because the community hasn't been, you know, the community just hasn't been supportive. And by the community, I mean the the local, you know, political government. Mm -hmm. And it's also we already are behind the eight ball behind New York, L.A. and Georgia just because New York's New York and they're going to film there no matter what, when, you know, so let me sorry. So you're saying just to su- to summarize, you're saying that if Massachusetts m- remains consistent with their film credit, that that will help grow every facet of entertainment in Boston. Why? Right. Uh, because if there's consistent work here, then the people here will get hired. Why do you think film is the medium for that above music and media? So music is basically gonna music is different because we do have a lot of historic venues here uh, they're not very large in terms of size i may have thrown in a couple of events and a couple of them you know like and so artists come out of here like there is you know arguably the greatest rock band american rock band is from here aerosmith i, I was gonna say godsmack i was gonna say boston the boston yeah or, or the, the police no. The cars. Uh, I don't know. I don't know about the cars. But definitely definitely Aerosmith. Okay. Um, Shout out to Mick Jagger. <laughs> that's Rolling Stones. I knew that. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you, there is, there's great music that is coming out of here. There's music to, to, you know, venues to play at. But music is also very much shareable like you know like we're in a studio right here and you can kind of record basically anywhere now you know there's there's so many different setups and stuff so the production of music isn't as hard uh but but i mean traditional feature film is also being digitalized too like that's true think of like youtube premium and like right netflix oh there's so much opportunity and uh, and both sides because it's so easy. I'm on Spotify, right? You know what I mean? Like it's awesome. I'm on Spotify, so you can just get anything on Spotify, and that's a huge music sharing application that people. That's how people are consuming their content. You know, mm-hmm. SoundCloud is a great thing. You know, I can't 100% speak to music just because I'm not tapped into that world. Um, but I think somebody at the Masscast said it, and I'll 100% agree with it. Where it's like. Yeah, we need you. You have you. You basically have the Middle East, which is a small venue, mm-hmm. or you have the Garden, right? Which isn't a very large venue, but it's still a large venue, right? And there's not really anything in between. And there's a Paradise Rock Club, but yeah, the Paradise yeah. and the House of Blues are kind of places like the Palladium out in Worcester. You can't, to be honest with you, though. I would love to throw an event at, at both of those venues soon. I'd love yeah. to do it. It's actually a goal of mine, but the, uh, it's a tough jump locally. Right. You know? Well, it's also tough to, because all the, all the like signs and roads and everything need to just kind of all converge at once because it's really tough. This city is so, is so weird and diverse and in its population from season to season Mm -hmm. because it's like, yeah, if you tried to throw an event for college kids in July, they're not here. 
So you're going to have a tougher time getting that audience to come somewhere, right? But at the same time, if you throw that in November, right, when the college kids are here, well, it's cold and it's, you know, potentially snowing and they're not going to want to leave, right? So it's just there's, there's weird... It's really tough to get people to come out to things anyway, mm-hmm. and music is definitely on the harder end of that because there's so many options. So I hate to cut this short, but we do have to leave this space. Oh. But uh, hey, do you guys have any questions? Okay. I have a question. All right. Why are you such a great guy? Oh, man, you're so sweet. Sure, man. Okay, so listen, this is how we... One, I enjoyed myself a lot. I think we should... Thank you, so did I. I think we both are pretty space-brained, so I feel like this probably hit like more topics than the Kanye rant. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, me and Kanye. We're going to have trouble finding the clip for this one. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But uh, this is how we start and end the show. You say, hi, your name, and this is my golden hour. Okay directly after no break hi your name and that was okay. my golden hour okay and we are in phoenix down recording currently the most popping studio in boston in the description you can book a session here Ooh, very fun that's fun i love i love being able to book things so like should... like book it out of here oh no maybe once this is over maybe and never talk to me again. Oh, yeah, ghosting. Like my relatives. Oh, yeah, I know that feeling. Dad, I'm sorry. <laughs> Shout out to Eddie McCabe. All right. All right, <laughs> so, so the golden hour? Yes, sir. I am Liam Stryker, and this is my golden hour. I am Eddie McCabe, and that was my golden hour. <laughs>